1: Welcome into the Road to Wire NFL podcast. I'm your host John McKechnie joined as always by Mario Puig. It is officially draft not only draft week but we are like a day away from this finally getting started. I'm so ready for it to get started. The rumors are just uh, out of control at this point as far as uh, the silliness uh, going around. Um, I've got my Adidas shirt on for the for the listeners uh, in-, in uh partnership with trevor lawrence of course uh you know who's an adidas guy now uh, officially as of this morning uh so you know had to represent that way um but we got a lot to get to mario so i'm thinking we will go ahead run through the first round see what we're what we're thinking as far as how one through 32 is going to shape up and then we're going to get into a little bit of prop betting um for the second part of the episode we're going to get into what's being offered on FanDuel and DraftKings as far as stuff that you can bet on for uh, Thursday night and and beyond. So that's going to be a lot of fun. It kind of adds another wrinkle, another layer uh, to the draft watching experience. So uh, we'll just kind of run through the order and, you know, Stop me if you think that you know that there are a couple teams here and there that uh, could very well be moving from their original spot. Um, we won't spend too much time with the first overall pick. I think we can both agree that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the guy of Jacksonville. Yes.
2: Yeah. the The Jaguars will probably use all fifteen minutes of the clock, but yes, I, I think we can assume they'll take Lawrence at the, the last second.
1: Yeah, I think. Uh, that Yeah, that'll be. Um, you know, like Roger Goodell directive to to build some sort of are the Jaguars having second thoughts or are they having cold feet? But but in reality, uh, if it's not Trevor Lawrence, uh, I think Twitter will officially break in a way that we haven't even seen. Uh, even oh, we today. all
2: will. I think everyone will just try to figure out where Roger is and just go there at the same time. Blame <laughs> him because he's the last guy we see on the TV. We're like, oh, it's his fault.
1: Yep, yep. Blame him is, right off bro. the bat. Uh, let's move on. Second pick. Jets. I think that's another one that that's basically set in stone. I think it's gonna be Zach Wilson uh, again. That's another one that would be pretty shocking if it went any any other way. It, it really does feel again like the draft starts at three.
2: Yeah, I mean the Jets have to have at very least been telling everyone and who would listen in media and even just like coaches around them, scouts around them, because that's been the line the whole time, and it hasn't. There's never been even like a slight deviation from it, so. Uh, when it seems that locked in, it probably is.
1: Yeah, I, I would imagine so as well. Would be very, very surprising for Zach Wilson to go anywhere but uh, the New York Jets. So three is where it all really starts, Mario. And you know, we've gotten into this uh, at varying degrees throughout the the pre-draft process. Basically, ever since uh, San Francisco went ahead and made the move all the way up to to number three in the draft, and again, it, it feels like it's it's kind of down to either Mac Jones or Trey Lance. There was the report um, from Ian Rappaport on Monday, you say, you know, kind of echoing that sentiment does kind of seem like Mac Jones is going to be the pick, but I'm just kind of wondering if this is, just one of the more elaborate smoke screens that we've seen executed in recent years, or if this really is a case where San Francisco is so full of themselves that they think that Mac Jones uh, fitting in their system could be better than a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance.
2: Well, if you believe the Ian Rappaport uh, thing from the other day, it's actually just Kyle Shanahan wants Mac Jones and the, the rest of the team, presumably John Lynch wants Trey Lance. And I have no idea how, you know, first of all, I don't know if that's true. It it sounds plausible enough to me. I mean, Shanahan, Lynch, one of the two, maybe both, is really bad at evaluating talent. The 49ers have botched quite a few picks in peculiar ways that that just were easily avoidable. And if Kyle Shanahan was behind it and if he wants to take Mac Jones, that would kind of make some past you know, puzzling choices make more sense because the guy just doesn't know what he's doing as far as figuring out what players are good at or bad at. And, if, if you're that kind of person, you probably would look at Mac Jones and just uh, say like, oh, yeah, he's 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 the guy over these other guys. Uh, you know, Justin Fields putting up just insane numbers at Ohio State, having the dual threat ability, Trey Lance having basically like a Josh Allen kind of like tool set and look at that and that and then say, no, thank you both times. And give me the Andy Dalton. Give me the uh, I don't know. What he I don't know what Jones might be specifically. He, he should be pretty good or something. He's not he's not terrible or anything, but he's not as good of a prospect as Tua was. And if if we're not high on Tua at this point, why do we think Jones is better? I don't I don't really know what what it is that's supposed to be fueling this this hype of his, but with Lance, I think it c- clearly makes more sense to go with him cuz he's just got so much you can work with tools-wise and the whole deal with Shanahan, the whole selling point with Shanahan in the first place is that he's going to scheme things so that playing quarterback is easier so that playing receiver is easier and if you're going to have a high median kind of line a high baseline as an offense because of the system then why wouldn't you seek exceptional traits that that can be amplified by that system instead of just by definition one of the more replaceable guys I don't really get it but Shanahan did like CJ Beathard a lot as a prospect so you know, what, what can we rule out with the guy? I don't really know if it's responsible to assume he, he's just going to do something smart just because everybody else thinks it's an obvious choice.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's really puzzling, but it, it does feel like at the same time that, you know, as of, what, 30 hours or so until the NFL draft starts, maybe a little bit less than that, um, that, that Mac Jones is going to be the pick for San Francisco at three.
2: I, I'll still say Trey Lance. I mean, I I just, I can't believe like John Lynch may as well quit if he's not going to stand up to Shanahan this time. Shanahan is wrong. Just this is a good point. Be, be a GM, man, be it, or just get out.
1: And like John Lynch uh, could probably win in a fight too. So, I mean, like it comes yeah, down she, to it.
2: Shanahan looks like I I don't know, not a football guy really.
1: No, John Lynch, you know, you could watch a good YouTube highlight video of him just like totally wrecking people. So um, it, anyway, um, outside of some uh, yeah, front office uh. uh <laughs> workplace fighting um let's get on to four do we think that the falcons stick with this pick and if they do what do they do with it
2: i think they stick with it i know I, or I don't, I don't know how reliable adam Schefter is specifically at draft stuff specifically a few days before the draft whenever he was quoted as saying 95 percent chance that field is available at seven Schefter's obviously plugged in and he's he's getting that information. Someone told him that and he, he, had, he had reason, he thought, to believe them at the very least. And maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, 95 is a little bit high of a number for Schefter to be wrong about. Like if he said 60, I'd maybe be a little more intrigued by the field's possibility. But it'd be pretty surprising if Schefter were that wrong. I mean, maybe it's happened before. I can't really remember. He's not exactly Jay Glazer, but he's about the closest thing to it, I suppose. So... I'm having to concede that the fourth pick is probably Pitts. I don't think it makes much sense unless certain other things are going to happen. Namely, I think they pretty much have to trade Julio Jones if they're going to draft Kyle Pitts because Kyle Pitts is not going to play tight end. Like the Tennessee offense had tight end play. Like he's not going to play Johnny Smith. He's not going to play Michael Pruitt. He's not going to, he's not going to do anything that's ever been in the NFL before. And it's especially won't be blocking tight end that he does. So it would have to be usage that occurs basically at receiver. And if you're running two tight ends all the time, then one of Pitts or Julio or Ridley is on the bench too much to make that pick make any sense otherwise. So if they can't move Julio, I don't know. Like Maybe Smith just does something different with Matt Ryan than he did with Ryan Tannehill and Derek Henry. Like Maybe because they have no Henry and because Ryan can't move much, maybe he's going to go with more of like a three-wide kind of offense rather than a two-three tight end kind of offense like maybe he built it that way specifically to, to spring Henry the way that they did I don't really know but I do know that Tennessee offense can't use Pitts and uh, even a modified version of it can't really make use of the players that they have so there of course were those Julio rumors and there very well could be something happening there and if it does and they get a decent return for it then Pitts at four makes sense to me because Pitts is definitely a monster he's he's going to be really good But they're not. They shouldn't. They shouldn't make that pick thinking, "Oh, we'll just figure quarterback out later." They should make that pick knowing this is kind of it for us. If this doesn't work, we're just going to get fired.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, wow, and that that's uh, quite a thought to have with with basically a completely revamped front office and and coaching staff. You know, having having gotten rid of uh, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov this past year, Uh, so that would be wild. Um, And then I I think. you know i don't know the exact details of it but it sounds like julio unlikely to be traded before june 1st uh, i think that there, there would be something with the cap with that so the trade for for julio wouldn't happen until well after the draft so that this that could leave us in a weird limbo
2: they used to have that thing though where you could just mark it as post june 1st no matter what time of the year they're doing it is that no uh, longer a thing i don't know i i if they can't if they can't do it that way like you said they can't Trade them now. Like they either need to be just able to just say, actually, we're marking it post June first, and, and if they can't, then their cap space precludes it. Like they, Thomas Dimitrov totally ruined that team. It's it's just a f- godforsaken ruins in every aspect, including the cap, where they they have basically nobody under contract, and yet they're up against the cap.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, pretty remarkable stuff there for, from Dimitrov. So uh, we'll, we'll see how Terry Fontenot and, and Arthur Smith can can uh, work their way out of that corner. Let's get on over to number five. We got the Cincinnati Bengals. The The question on everyone's mind when it comes to the Bengals, I feel like it, it's been, it's been the, you know, Penny Sewell, sweepstakes for a long time and a lot of projection with with him going to Cincinnati. But um, now I think there's a growing school of thought that Jamar Chase uh, could be the pick there as well. So which way are you leaning as far as the, the Sewell versus Chase when it comes to the Bengals?
2: I think it's Chase. I think both players are good and justifiable picks, but I think the debate around it, at least on Twitter, has been pretty mangled. I'm not sure many people are thinking it through all that, uh all, all that clearly, um, but I think um uh, sorry, forgive me my, my screen's being a little goofy. Um so so they signed already Riley Reef to be the right tackle. They have Jonah Williams still that eighth overall pick or whatever he was, who has both not been good, but he's also been beat up a lot. So it's kind of it's a little unfair to just assume he's not good. And if you add Sewell. Thing to say sorry to back a bit the debate has all has been framed around like are they going to improve the cincinnati offensive line or improve the receivers and which one will actually help joe burrow more and it's kind of um it's 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 just not really a valid choice as they present it because adding sewell isn't necessarily going to improve the offensive line like he doesn't even turn 21 until october or something so it's going to be hard for a player his age to be as good as a player as williams
1: yeah and he hasn't his played in over a year level.
2: Yeah, it's like Sewell would definitely be the better prospect than Williams, but as to what you actually get in 2021 is a very different question than who's the better long-term player. Like Williams could be the better player for the next two years and Sewell could, you know, run laps around him in that third. And it still wouldn't mean anything to the question of like, what's going to help Burrow more right now. So there's, there's a certain lack of like nuance and, and clarity to the way people are framing it. But to me, if you're talking about reps that are definitely going to improve chase is clearly the choice because your alternative is, uh, whatever, Auden Tate or Mike Thomas or something. And of course T Higgins is a beast and Tyler Boyd's a very good slot receiver, but they're still going to have those wide receiver reps on the field. There is no third offensive tackle rep to distribute. If there were, then maybe we'd be talking, you know, one-to-one kind of deal. But as far as improving reps, it's chase. And it's pretty obvious because it's, it's not easy for a rookie offensive lineman, especially a left tackle, to play at the level of a veteran, almost any baseline veteran anyway. And Williams doesn't fall below the baseline more than likely. It's just he's been a disappointment as an eighth overall pick or whatever he was. It's it's not the same as being bad, and it's, it's going to be hard for it player Sewell's age to catch him, especially because Sewell is not as good of a tackle prospect as a lot of people are talking about. This is yeah, not a that, yeah. The
1: bubble has, has burst a little bit as far as that is concerned. You know, he, he almost was reaching these like legendary stratosphere of hyperbole. Um, you it's know, not Joe
2: Thomas, not no. Tyron Smith. He's more like a Jordan gross, which is still an all pro player. But also Jordan gross was probably like three years older when he got into the league and he was, he was polished. Like Sewell's going to take a little time to become the player that he's going to be.
1: I, I just, I think that it's a, Hard to say that it, it would be a better long term investment, but I think you can still take a long term view when it comes to Sewell and, and the Bengals because Reef is just oh, going to totally be a, a one year option. So I, I think that if he if he is having those rookie struggles and isn't able to lock down whatever side uh, Reef would, uh, you know, be the one that that's Manning, that's fine. He can just develop, and, and you know, you can't count on Jonah Williams playing all sixteen games either necessarily. So I think. I think Sewell would be the the right move, but I, I think you make a, a, a great argument for Chase as well. And it's not like he he's only going to be valuable for one year. He's only gonna get better front from here. So I think that they're in a great Sewell spot. would
2: be a backup for them, I think. Like it's it's fine as a pick if you're planning on it that way, but it's like everybody keeps talking about it. You have to help Burrow, he got beat up so much last year. Like Sewell's not helping in 2021. He's he's giving them a, a high yield like long-term asset, but yeah. uh, 2021, it's, if, if people want to make it about that, then Chase gets the reps sooner and he improves the reps sooner than whatever Sewell could, if Sewell is better than Jonah Williams or uh reef, it's still not going to be as much of a magnitude as, is between Chase and Auden and Tate or whatever the Bengals are down to. Yeah. At that, that,
1: or that's percent. a good sticking point. Point well taken. Let's get on over to number six. So assuming Chase is off the board, what do the dolphins do?
2: I think it's got to be Jalen Waddle. I mean, if they, if, if Kyle Pitts were there, that'd be, you know, take Pitts. He's, he's insane. But I, I guess if he's at four, uh, I think Waddle's the next kind of special player in the draft. I guess you could say that a guy like Micah Parsons could be, and he could very well be Miami's pick too. He's, he's, he's a pretty incredible athlete. Seems seems like he's got some talent as a football player to go with it, but, He's not going to make Tua Tungavelloa any better, and he's not going to give them a long-term replacement for Will Fuller, who's on a 15-game contract. So I think Waddle is worth it generally, and I think in terms of playing the draft market and the the Dolphins kind of setting themselves up for success, I think it's got to be him.
1: And I don't know if you knew this, but Tua and Jalen Waddle played together in college.
2: If that's true then I think that it's uh, pretty much a lock. Yeah,
1: and- sorry, I just threw a curveball at you like the day before the draft. Yeah, kind of, rude of me as the host to to pull such a maneuver. Let's get on over to 7. What's happening there? I mean, the Lions, they have a lot of needs. I I've kind of circle receiver and corner as the big ones, but in this particular you know, situation where uh, both Chase and Waddle are off the board. I don't think there's a receiver worth taking at seven. Do they go with a corner in that, in that case, or do they trade back?
2: So the Lions could go a lot of ways and it's really hard to, or at least for me, it's hard to guess what way, because it it just basically depends on how the Holmes, I, I don't know the guy's name, the GM that they got from, the Rams, it's like he's he's going to have some plan in mind. And you could argue for kind of a wide range of plans if you're in his position, but it's it's only the one he cares about that's going to dictate anything. And yeah, I don't I don't know how to discern what he actually cares about because if you believe their presentation and like what Dan Campbell's been saying, you would think, oh, they're not gonna take a quarterback, they're not gonna take Fields, who Adam Schefter has said 95% will be at seven. So if you believe them about golf, then they can't take fields. And even if they don't believe in golf, you could also argue that, you know, well, we're rebuilding anyway. Why start a rookie contract at quarterback? Let's just trade down and make the rest of the roster good. And then if we need to, we can trade back up for a quarterback in a year or two or sign some free agents or trade for somebody. They could be thinking a lot of different things and, and they all have their own merits as long as they kind of do the steps. Right. But you know, in, in my position, being as low on golf as I am, I would say they should just take fields, even if they have to put him on the bench and go a year or more pretending. Actually, we love them both. And Jared's starting this year because we just think he's the best chance of winning right now. And you could if you're if you're doing it a certain way, you could you could do that and still get a good career out of Fields, and then maybe, you know, rehabilitate Goff's value for a year and flip him for like a fourth or a third this off next off season and give give fields the key to the team at that point or uh or I, I will say it's like a, you, they probably can't really draft fields and then let him compete with Goff. like they can't move Goff this year they're they're on the hook for his money in a way that they'll, they'll lose money if they cut him whereas i think it's a year from now maybe it's two i can't remember uh, they can move golf in the future where it's it's technically dead money, but it's not lost cap penalty. So that's that's where contracts kind of really get their pressure point at and fields could fit within that timeframe model. But if they don't want fields, then they could they Uh, I guess what I'm going to project in this two round mock that I had finished like an hour ago before that Teddy Bridgewater trade, uh, I had Justin Fields going at seven because the Patriots traded up and I'm assuming they would give like a 2022 first round pick because the Patriots are clearly going in for, you know, the division title this year. And if, if they think that they have that kind of shot, they can justify the expense on fields because they think the roster is already pretty good otherwise. And if it is then, That 2022 pick might be something like 24th to, you know, 27th overall rather than like top 15 or something. So if they're going to go with this, you know, amoeba bash kind of offense with Cam Newton at quarterback and then going with the very uh, multiple tight end personnel and and the multiple receiver personnel to try to kind of build like this this pistol bash offense, then that's a lot to invest in for that to that model to put all of it on cam Newton. Like I like cam Newton a lot. I think he's going to pretty much rake this year, but he's got a concerning durability history and they're not invested in him for the long term. So this, this model that they're building is built for cam and yet they're not committed to him. So it seems like if they're going to build that, if they're going to invest to that extent and that sort of kind of like personnel infrastructure, then they should be thinking about how they're going to go past Cam Newton too. And Fields might be their last chance to realize that.
1: Okay. So seven, definitely an inflection point. And, and to your point about the lions and, and you know, if Fields ends up uh, in Detroit, you know, it'd be a comfort zone for Fields. He's used to getting somewhere where he's the best quarterback and then still having to to sit behind, um, you know, uh, hearkening back to his time at Georgia with Jake Fromm, of course, uh, before we get on uh, to the next team to the, to the 8th slot in the draft we got a message from our friends over at Champions Round do you play fantasy football do you love the NFL draft well you're in luck because Champions Round has created a fantasy game specifically For the NFL draft the big board showdown playing is simple just pick 12 prospects stay on budget and watch your team rack up points based on when they're selected download the champions round app and make your picks today hashtag you got next pick all right let's go with the eighth pick in the NFL draft so we got the Carolina Panthers at least slotted in there what's Carolina doing
2: They also have quite a few ways they could go, and to go back a little bit to the Lions, if they're staying at seven, I think they would have to almost take a corner just because Pat Sertan, J.C., Horn. I know Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle, offensive guard, is projected kind of in this range too, but I think Sertan and Horn are probably better at their position than Slater. So, uh, But if you're the Panthers and and Fields go seven, then they could take Sertan and I think both Sertan and Horn would make sense for the Panthers, and I I don't mean to make myself sound like an expert on cornerback play or defensive uh, scheming or anything, but reading the stuff of people that I trust, it seems like it's safe to say that Sertan's a little bit more scheme versatile, and specifically with respect to zone coverages, than uh, Horn, who's apparently kind of just like a press man sort of player and Maybe doesn't play off the receiver as well, so maybe J.C. Horn is a better fit. In other words, for a, a man coverage scheme like the Patriots than he is uh, the Panthers, who ran quite a bit of zone last year under Phil Snow, their defensive coordinator. But that might have been that might have had to do with just like their lack of personnel at corner. Like they might have played zone because they just knew no one could cover. Like Russell Douglas couldn't really cover. But there were also a couple games, a couple one-off matchups where they used Russell Douglas and Dante Jackson as shadow corners to match them up against specific receivers who basically kind of mirrored their traits. So it shows that they're willing to go to kind of like a matched up man coverage sort of thing. If they have, if they think it's in their advantage to do it that week. So they could have an interest in horn. If if they're planning on going with more man coverage, if they want to be more scheme versatile, maybe they go with Sertan. I also think that the Panthers are a really good candidate to trade back. So, uh, Oh, I should have mentioned uh, the lions could trade back for the chargers to trade up for Sewell in this scenario and if they if they don't if, if Fields goes seven then I think eight's a really good spot for Sewell to go uh, maybe for the Panthers but I think also the Panthers would be looking to trade down and that the Chargers there, there's been some uh, some people who have sources have been saying that the Chargers might be looking to trade up for Sewell and I, I think the Panthers would make a lot of sense there so what I'm actually projecting in my mock is uh, I, I, I can't remember what I did if it. I know I said Fields to seven, but what I might have actually done is Fields to eight and Sewell to seven. But I, I kind of like those two to go at those two picks and for Carolina to go back to, you know, 12 or 15 or whatever.
1: OK, yeah, Carolina, definitely um, a, a bit of a, a trade back candidate, like you mentioned. But but uh, if they stay put, uh corner could definitely be in play as well. Let's get on over to nine. So that one's sh- shaken up a little bit. Um, today in light of the Teddy Bridgewater trade that you alluded to i think it's still possible that Denver goes quarterback adam schefter yeah. said something along those lines as well it's not like they have a ton of money committed necessarily to the combination of you know uh rookie contract drew locke and you know carolina eating a fair bit of of bridgewater's uh deal as well so i don't think they're precluded from it uh, but in this scenario you know you'd also have Micah parsons available um so which way do you think Denver goes uh, before we move on to the next, next, uh, next crew?
2: Yeah, they traded for Bridgewater, but maybe they did that because they didn't think Mac Jones or Justin Fields would be there. So maybe if Fields or Jones is there, they'll just take that guy. If they go defense, I think it'll be Parsons. I think, Fangio could really use a guy like him. It seems like Micah Parsons is a bit of a psycho, but I don't think that most coaches would care, especially since it hasn't gotten much publicity in the media, what he's accused of having done. It's very so, easy
1: to find on Google too. So
2: Very easy to find, and it's just not really in the media narrative. So uh, if it's not in the narrative, no one's going to care. There won't be any outrage about it. Instead, people will focus on how he's an insane athlete with a ton of upside. in in a lot of defensive functions, So either Parsons or uh, maybe they go with like an edge defender. I guess Jalen Phillips could be in play if teams aren't worried about his medicals. I'm pretty worried about his medicals. Um, So I think it'll be Parsons.
1: Okay. All right. Let's get on over to the 10th pick in the draft. This has been one that I feel like everyone in the mock draft community has been kind of in, in lockstep on. I alluded to such in my mock earlier this week. If you're not mocking Pat Sertan to the Cowboys, and is it really a mock draft? Is it going to be Pat Sertan?
2: So he's off, he've often been uh, projected to the Broncos at 9-2, but the Broncos are actually pretty well off at corner after uh, can't remember who they added, but uh, Bryce Callahan's good and they got the other one that they picked up and Fangio can do money ball at corner. He, he's really good at coaching zones at corner. He doesn't need a Pat Sertan to get good cornerback results. Dallas probably needs Pat Sertan or JC Horn to get better corner results. So I give them Pat Sertan here, but I think JC Horn would make a lot of sense too. It kind of just depends on if Dallas is going to be scheme versatile if they're going to kind of go with a man coverage emphasis like the Rams or the Patriots and if they go more zone than Sertan's I guess the easier call
1: all right and then you know put you know that that decision could also be made for them a little bit by you know what the lions end up doing at seven and if if seven um ends up staying in detroit they they could certainly go corner and and then uh dallas has less of a headache to deal with and you know they can get one of jc horn or patrick sertan and be plenty happy with it Mm -hmm. the giants are up next they're a little bit tougher to figure out that like that they don't have a terrible roster on on both sides uh, but they still have Daniel Jones, but they can't really do anything about that. So I think I think bolstering the offensive line would make some sense. Uh, what say you uh, when it comes to the Giants at 11?
2: I think the Giants want Micah Parsons, and I think they might even be assuming he'll be there. But if he goes at 9 or 10, whatever – then I think they're in a tough spot because they are pretty loaded actually at most positions. Like they don't have a need at receiver. I think they're going to move Evan Ingram in the draft and have Kyle Rudolph basically be like a sixth lineman kind of player. So they can get more targets at Galladay and Slayton, Shepard and Barkley. So uh, their secondary is pretty solid. Maybe third corner can be improved, but that's not traditionally a spot where you buy a third corner, especially after you got Adoree Jackson. So right. I think they might go edge defender, and this would be a bit of a reach for most people. But if not Jalen Phillips, who I guess is kind of like the the favored sort of pick for that, I think Jason Oway might make more sense than people think, if only because. They have some bodies already at outside linebacker. Like he wouldn't play more than 500 snaps or something. So even if he's raw, they can keep him situational and let him keep learning. But I also think there's a chance that a guy like Owe being such an insane athlete just kind of shows up to the NFL a lot better than he was in college just because he's, I don't know. There's never been an athlete like him. The closest thing to him is Manny Lawson, who was only serviceable, but Lawson was like 6'6", 240 with like a mid 4'4", or something. Owe's, pushing 260 and does a 438 like maybe maybe he's the biggest workout warrior bust of all time but he needs to be that to to be like a failure it's like he can he could be pretty bad at playing linebacker and defensive end and still be better more productive than most people because he's just he's like a megatron kind of athlete at defensive end
1: okay you got to say the line though when it comes to jason Owe.
2: what is the line he had no up.
1: sacks last year. He
2: had no sacks. You got to mention. Was also, it was six or seven games, as a thing, yeah. and he had a good yeah. amount of t- tackles for loss, and he had seven sacks the two but, years before. But everyone, you
1: got to say Arizona it, World. though. It's like, it's part, a fair concern. Like,
2: he's, he's raw. He's definitely raw. Uh, I w- Vic Fangio <laughs> would make a star out of him. Maybe uh, Joe Judge can, too. I don't know. But uh, I, I, I think it's going to be hard for a player as athletic as him to be a totally useless NFL player. It just seems almost impossible to me.
1: Yeah, no, he can, he can definitely create some chaos. It's important to not get overly fixated on on the goose egg in the sack department. Um, we've seen other guys with shaky production end up as edge defenders in college, uh, end up, being good. It looks like Rashawn Gary might end up panning out in in Green Bay, even though he really didn't do a whole lot in the box score uh, during his time at Michigan. Let's get on over to 12. That should be the Philadelphia Eagles. you think they stay there? And if so, what are they doing? What do they need?
2: They could look to trade back, I guess. They could look to trade up, apparently. I don't know what they'd be. I would assume Pitts, I suppose, but that seems out of reach. So if they're staying at 12, I think Rashawn Slater would make a lot of sense it's hard to tell how much they like Andre Dillard like it seems a little bit hysterical to me the way some people say he's terrible because he had the bad rookie year and then he didn't play last year and having a bad rookie year as an offensive tackle is very common and it doesn't mean you're bad necessarily but with Slater they get versatility flexibility because they can take him into camp and if they see Dillard look bad in camp they can say all right you're, Slater's the left tackle now. And if they get to camp and Dillard looks all right, then they'll say, all right, well, you're going to play a guard than Slater over Simatalo or whatever that guy's name is. And if they trade Brandon Brooks, then at guard at the other spot would make enough sense. But basically the Eagles have a potential need at guard and left tackle and Slater pretty obviously fits that. If not him, then I would guess a corner the remainder of horn or uh, sertan i suppose
1: okay yeah i think i think uh grabbing slater w- would be awesome i think that he's versatile enough to play either tackle Um, or guard it in the nfl so versatile piece there to to add to you know what 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 was a great offensive line in philly that has kind of aged out and obviously showed some flaws uh last year not that it really helped that carson wentz you know loves to just run into sacks anyway that kind of you know muddies up how that offensive line performed a little bit potentially for some people a year ago chargers they you know they they hit the home run last year with, with going with justin herbert um, they, they've got, they could go receiver here. I think that they they have two great receivers or very good receivers in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, but adding a third, I think would be a really, really nice move. I think that especially if Rashawn Slater is off the board, they should think very hard about adding another weapon around, uh, Justin Herbert. I think the defense Top to bottom is is pretty strong. It, it doesn't have an obvious glaring weakness, in my opinion. Kenneth Murray, their, their other first round selection from last year, looked good. They get Derwin James back healthy, hopefully. Um, so, this is a Chargers team that's really, really interesting. Could go a lot of different ways. Uh, what do you think they'd end up doing?
2: Yeah, I think they'll either get Sewell in a trade up, or if they can't trade up, they'll maybe trade up for Slater. But also, if, if they don't trade up for Sewell, I think Slater makes it to thirteen, so okay, I th- it's going to be one of those two. I think I think Tyron Johnson can be a pretty good receiver for them, but uh, yeah, if they if they go with Devontae Smith or something, that wouldn't be terribly shocking.
1: Okay, all right, so a couple different ways that likely offensive line, but but also receiver could could be in play there when it comes to the Chargers. Uh, Vikings up next. They were a, a slightly tough team to to project in in the mock as well, going they have at a fourteen. Lot of needs. They do. So which one stands out the most to you with 13 guys off the board?
2: Well, you gave them in your prior mock draft, Elijah Vera Tucker. And that's kind of thing that would make enough sense. Like their offensive line is pretty concerning in a couple of spots. And he he might be able to contribute at more than one spot. Otherwise, obviously, Jeff Gladney had that really disturbing arrest. And he might be out of the league pretty soon. So that was a first rounder last year. If J.C. Horn somehow falls to 14, that's going to be pretty tough for them to pass up. Uh, if Horn is gone and Sertan is gone, then you're looking, I think, at defensive line or offensive line. And I don't know, I don't know what they might, what kind of urgency they might have about their offensive line. I think it's in Mike Zimmer's nature, at least, to lobby for the defense. And I don't know whether he wants a quitty pay Jalen Phillips type, Jason Owe, maybe even. I don't know if he wants an edge player. Uh, I don't know if there's still any lingering anxiety about Daniil Hunter and what he's going to do this year, where he's going to play this year. But if if they believe in Hunter playing this year, then they could wait on defensive end and, and try to go with some sort of stopgap approach there. Uh, if they don't think Hunter's going to be around, then they pretty much have to take an end. And I guess it would be Pay or Phillips or Owe. Otherwise, I think this is a good dark horse spot for Christian Barmore defensive tackle just because they signed michael pierce but he can only uh, first he opted out last year which might have might lead to some sour grapes on the part of mike zimmer and michael pierce even at his best even in theory doesn't play more than like 450 snaps because he doesn't you don't really want him out there on passing down so if they pick barmore at 14 i don't think that would be shocking because he could he's probably playing 700 plus snaps if they take him there and they're not very good at defensive tackle. Otherwise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that, got that would Tomlinson.
2: definitely, sorry, they got Tomlinson, but they don't have any like disruptor at defensive tackle. It's like Tomlinson's kind of like a two gap uh, block eater, the way it pierces.
1: Okay. All right. So, so that would add a different type of type of space eater in, in the middle that they could be a little bit more disruptive, maybe collapse the pocket. So yeah, Barmore, uh that, that could definitely be a strong pick as well. Uh, 15 Patriots, as it stands, uh, if they don't make a trade up, uh, and they're sitting there at 15, uh, which way could they go?
2: If they don't trade up for fields, I think this would be a good spot for Eric Stokes at corner. Otherwise, uh, Devante Smith, I guess something like that.
1: Okay. Um, let's get, yeah, they they still need some receiver help as well, even though they, they made a bunch of splash moves, uh, in free agency, 16 Cardinals, they lost Patrick Peterson this offseason. I thought corner w- would make plenty of sense, especially with how deep th- this class is at corner, especially at the top. Um, I gave him Greg Newsom out of, out of Northwestern, so our second Northwestern guy um, of the top half of the first round. Uh, what, what, what do you make of the card's needs here?
2: Yeah, they need speed at corner. They signed Malcolm Butler, but him and Byron Murphy are both almost like cover two kind of athletes at corner. They, they don't have anyone who can run even a little bit which seems like a problem in that division to me with especially with Stafford there now, but in my mock that I'm going to post after this, I'm giving them Eric Stokes. I just think people are underrating Eric Stokes. I've, I can't remember the last time a corner was as big as him with arms, as long as his, with the speed and athleticism that he has after, after playing in a good pass defense in the sec as probably the best defensive back on that defense. And people act like he's a, maybe a second rounder, like a give or take second rounder and, That's not a standard that has been applied to any corner like him in the past. So I kind of like the idea of him going a little higher than people think. And people might call it a reach or whatever. But I think he'd be the best pick uh, Arizona can make here. Otherwise, Newsom would make a lot of sense, like you said, because he's definitely an athlete.
1: Yes, he he's had some some durability concerns of his own, but um, uh, uh, Newsome, I mean, but I, I think that he would be a totally uh, fine play there. And yeah, I, I agree with you. Stokes is underrated. And I do think that he's a better option than uh, his teammate uh, Tyson Campbell, although Cam- yeah. Campbell's a fine day two guy. But I, I don't like him over Stokes necessarily. Uh, 17, the Raiders. Um apparently not taking anyone that that opted out uh this past year so that takes a couple guys off the board. What do you think the Raiders would do here at 17?
2: I really don't know. I th- think that a lot of things make sense for them cuz their team sucks, but <laughs> they also they're kind of like the Giants thing where they don't have actionable needs, but unlike the Giants it's not because they have good players. It's just that they've spent a bunch of money last year on Corey Littleton and he was terrible at linebacker, but what are they going to do? Eat probably like 8 million and uh, cap penalty or something so linebacker's not obvious it would make sense from a, a you know improving the rep standpoint but from the finance standpoint I'm not sure how much that factors in but I went I'm going to give them in my mock draft uh, Jeremiah Awusu Koromora whatever yep. his name is from Notre Dame cuz he could play linebacker, he could play safety, he could maybe even do kind of like slot coverage kind of thing. Some of the stuff that they wanted Lamarca's joiner to do when they spent that big contract on him, that was a total waste. So they they could get him, I think, on the field a little more easily at uh kind of like safety reps, so like not putting Littleton on the bench, in other words. But yeah, they they have needs, it's just they can't really draft at most of them because they're still trying to justify bad investments that they already made at the spot in recent years. But if not, uh, if not a player like Cora more, uh, maybe then like a right tackle uh, because they, they don't really have a right tackle at this point after trading Trent Brown back to the Patriots or whatever they did.
1: Yeah. The, the whole just entire line change dump uh, of their offensive line, other than Colton Miller this off season, uh, definitely a weird one maybe uh, ostensibly they have a plan for that. And maybe a plan uh, is taking one of these offensive linemen here in the first round. I guess Barmore
2: would make sense too.
1: Okay. Let's go 18. We got the dolphins. This is their second pick. Uh, they just added, or they just subtracted an offensive lineman yesterday. Um, so what, what could be in play for the dolphins? Do you, do you think that they go with like in this particular scenario, like a Darisaw would make sense?
2: Um, it depends, I guess, on just what they think of Robert Hunt, at, who played a lot of right tackle last year. He was he was a guard, or he played tackle at uh, Lafayette or Monroe, whichever it was. Lafayette, Louisiana, Lafayette. Louisiana. At, <laughs> ULL, yeah, uh, ten different names. Yeah, yeah, the uh, them. He played for them at tackle, and then he played tackle as a rookie. But a lot of people were thinking he'd be a guard in the NFL. So maybe the Dolphins are looking to move him inside. Maybe they're sticking with him at right tackle. I don't really know. I think either way, the pick might be Elijah Vera Tucker. Because if, if he's there, I mean, but Elijah Vera Tucker played left guard next to Austin Jackson at USC. And uh, I know a lot of people hate Austin Jackson and, and draft Twitter and a lot of like scout type people on Twitter hate him. But I actually think that was a pretty good pick because he's he's just really young and uh, he, he's so toolsy that it's like because you're playing at a two year disadvantage in the Pac-12, probably in the best era of Pac-12 defenses in a long time. Like that to me is, is excusable. Uh, but they also have to realize, like, there's a bust risk with a guy like that. Like, you need to kind of nurture his development to, to make the good case scenario occur. And having a guy that he played next to in college, I think, will both be good for Vera Tucker and Austin Jackson because a uh, offensive line continuity has a lot to do with how good an offensive line will look. Like, there's there needs to be some level of chemistry there, and it's not always naturally occurring between players. You sometimes just need history.
1: Yeah, no, that 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 would line up really, really nicely if those two were able to to be reunited and, and uh have them working at, at tackle and guard together on the left side uh for Miami. Uh pick 19, the Washington football team. Uh that they, they have they have an interesting dilemma and obviously like I don't think their quarterback situation is set long term, but I think it's okay enough for, for for this year as it stands. Um they could always add some receiver help. Uh, they could go a bunch of different directions here. There isn't a good enough tight end depth uh, in this class to justify a pick at 19. I think that they could, uh, if Jeremiah Wusa Komorora was available there at 19, I would love the fit uh, for him in Washington. I think that would make for an even more athletic front, but uh, you know that, that wouldn't be the case in, in this particular mock. So uh, where do you think they go?
2: Well, he'd be a good pick, like you said. I guess I don't know what they think of Kalik Hudson. He's a kind of similar player, but he was like a seventh-round pick last year. I think they should probably take Derisaw or whoever their top left tackle is just because uh, Sadiq Charles, I think, should be good, but he looks like a guard. So they just don't really have anything at left tackle if that's the case. And uh, Derisaw seems like he's pretty good, has has kind of like the prerequisite athletic traits or whatever. Uh otherwise if Tevin Jenkins is still there, he would be maybe a worthwhile consideration. But I, I think Jenkins could go uh either to the Raiders or if if the Panthers trade back from eight to thirteen, I could imagine even them taking him uh, OK, something like that.
1: So a couple of different directions. Offensive line, they, they could potentially have their, their pick uh there of the of that like second tier um or third tier, however you view it, um, of tackle. That that could definitely work. Uh 20. The Bears, the Bears, I thought were were maybe at, Bears at twenty was one of the toughest uh, th- uh, teams to mock. Um, I gave them Rashad Bateman. I didn't feel great about it, but it just looking at the at the rest of the roster, it seemed to make sense, especially with the way that I had the chips falling. But I could see it going so many different ways for for the Bears. Uh, how about yourself?
2: They could use an offensive tackle. They could use a corner. Now that they lost Kyle Fuller to protect Jimmy Graham's contract. Uh, they could take mac mac jones if he falls within reach too
1: and uh we we know that uh bears twitter would 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 really really uh love that um it'd let's be go- a
2: big improvement for them even though it still kind of suck yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is it is it would just be so not exciting but uh we'll see um 21 Indianapolis i think the tackle becomes a priority after Costanzo's retirement what say you yeah.
2: Yeah, Sam Cosme from Texas. Tevin Jenkins, if he's there, would be a pretty easy call. Maybe Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. Something like that. But it's it seems like they kind of need a left tackle if they don't have some sort of trade that they're cooking up.
1: Yep, so we're in agreement there. 22, Titans. I think corner and receiver stand out as their biggest needs. How about you?
2: They still need a right tackle. They lost Isaiah Wilson, and they don't really have a replacement. So I could see them taking an offensive tackle – maybe even reaching for a guy like Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa, just because he's another, he's big running athletic type. Uh, They need corner. I think there's a little depth at corner, so maybe they can wait. And uh, I don't know what they plan to do at receiver. I could imagine Anthony Ferks being their main slot guy and Josh Reynolds outside, but uh, whatever pick they make, I bet it'll be pretty bad for some reason.
1: (laughs) I like that. I like that. I mean, reasonable expectations to be, to be casting out there uh, when it comes to the Titans. Yeah. that, Things could get ugly for them in a hurry. Yeah, Grable's I think, yeah.
2: just Grable's in way over his head. He's completely clueless.
1: Of the playoff teams that that made it last year, you know, I think the Titans and Bears are the ones that you'd handicap as the ones that are the least likely to make it again this year.
2: If Tennessee has a shot getting back, it's only because of the Texans being in their division.
1: <laughs> yep, just bank a few wins off of them. Uh, Twenty-three. This would be the Jets' second pick. Is it ETN?
2: Uh, it could be. It could be Najee Harris. It could be uh, owusu Koromora if he's there. It could be an edge rusher. I think it's not going to be an offensive lineman, and I don't think it's going to be a receiver. It Could be a corner. Uh, there's 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 still needs of that team, and and Saleh being a defensive guy, he might kind of prefer to go that way, even though they. they theoretically need to build around Wilson uh they, they have plenty of needs on defense all the same
1: right and, and like you said Saul's so, so uh you know defensive mind maybe he has a guy that that he that really fits his system that would be available there at 23 uh 24 this one has been bandied about a fair bit is it Najee Harris to the Pittsburgh Steelers
2: it could be I want to say uh there are some people around the Jaguars who have said that Urban Meyer's not very high on James Robinson. And may even be looking to trade him. I think if they are going to trade him, the the Steelers make a ton of sense. Both for not so much the Jaguars. It, Urban Meyer is going to probably be a bad coach if he does this. Uh, I think it shows that he doesn't know what he's really getting into. Doesn't understand the 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 ecosystem that he stepped into. Uh, but the Steelers' offensive line is trash. Like they got to get they got to replace Pouncey. They got to replace Vianueva at left tackle. The other spots aren't that great either. They have needs at corner. They ne- they obviously could use a quarterback prospect. I think it would be pretty insane for them to take a running back in the first round. And uh, I love when running backs go in the first round, cause that makes some of my least favorite people in the world, very angry yes. when they do. But I don't think they should take Harris. Like they should, if they can, they should trade like a fourth or a third for James Robinson and then load up an offensive line.
1: Well, that, that that's a crazy detail about Jacksonville, especially after like the, the found money element of having an undrafted guy uh, be as good as James Robinson was a year ago. But you know that that's why we're we're sitting here talking on a live stream. I, I suppose uh, Jacksonville, twenty five. I gave them Trayvon Mooring. I know it's a, it's not the best safety class, and that kind of ends up being a windfall for Jacksonville here. Potentially, they could get the best safety in the class here at twenty five. What say you?
2: Yeah, the best safeties look like Morig and Javon Holland from Oregon. So I don't know how much teams are looking for safeties, but if they're gunning for one, they probably need to reach for those two at the risk of coming out empty handed. Uh, I think though, this pick will be Travis Etienne.
1: Okay. Now that, that would be, that would be an awesome pairing to to have uh, Lawrence and Etienne uh, back reunited right away um, after leaving Clemson. Uh, 26 Cleveland. I think they could just shop this pick that I don't think they really have a ton of needs, but if they do, I think it's inside linebacker. They could kind of, you know, other than Parsons, I think they would have their pick of the litter there, depending on how you feel about like Jameen Davis or, or Nick Bolton. But I, I think inside linebacker makes sense for Cleveland at 26. Um, maybe you have a different thought.
2: Oh, I think that edge would make a lot of sense. I think Quiddy pay Jalen Phillips. If Jason Owe is there, they could all be in play and this is just me making a wild guess, but the Brown, it sounds like the Patriots are shopping Stefan Gilmore. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the second round, the, the Patriots and the Browns do something like Gilmore and the Patriots third rounder for the Cleveland second rounder, something like that. And if they get a good edge player and, and if they ideally get a little bit better of cornerback reps than greedy Williams, that defense could get really good, really fast.
1: Yeah. That, it's already coming together pretty nicely um, for, for Cleveland. Uh, 27. Uh, I guess that, that this would be the Ravens. What do they do?
2: Uh, so they got two first rounders. I think they're going to take an offensive lineman and a defensive end type. It just seems like a Z's old Ogi- Olajar Ojolari. O- o- J- L- uh, o- J- Ojolari. Ojolari's in that range. Joseph Asais in that range. There could be Owe. There could be others. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to strike that position in that with their two first rounders. And then going right the after one, my
1: heart, right there.
2: Yeah, I think uh, F, other than the the edge defender that I'm assuming they take, I think the other one will be an offensive lineman, either Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma or Landon Dickerson from Alabama, I would guess.
1: OK, yeah, they, they definitely need some help along the offensive line, of course, in in wake of the Orlando Brown trade, um, although interior was a big problem for them last year as well. And that, that's why a guy like Dickerson, uh, Creed Humphrey would definitely work as well. Um, let's move quickly through these last couple of ones here we got the saints at 28 do you think they go receiver
2: receiver or corner i'm giving them elijah Moore.
1: oh i would love that um 29 packers what's up
2: uh, I could use an interior offensive lineman there. They lost Lindsley. I like your pick Zaven Collins. I actually have them trading up for him in my mock.
1: Oh, sweet. Okay. All right. So that, that panned out. Yeah. Zayvon Collins would be really, really interesting. I think they could use some help there um, and Collins could, could give it to him. Uh, 30 bills. What are they doing?
2: Corner or edge rusher, Eric Stokes, if he's there would be a steal of a century, I think, but otherwise Greg Newsom, maybe even Campbell, the other Georgia corner.
1: Okay, um we're getting close to the end here. Thirty-one. This would be the Ravens' other selection, so it would likely address Dickerson,
2: what... Humphrey, or the Edge guys. I think.
1: Okay, and then the the Bucks famously have like everybody back. So yeah, the... I think
2: they will take Jason Oway if he's on the board. So I, I kind of hope he won't be there because it's one of those things you can tell whoever they get is going to be some really good player. They basically don't deserve so uh i I would love for them to take some sort of low upside like uh player that that can't just because if if it comes down to luck they're just going to be lucky bastards like they are you know so (laughs) I, I, re- I really don't want them getting some toolsy guy who everyone thinks sucks because it's gonna they're gonna turn out awesome and they're gonna get them for free you know
1: yeah exactly exactly so yeah it's uh good times in in, uh, in Tampa Bay if you're a bucks fan of course um, I want to throw to one last thing here we just ran through the entire first round uh, there are props at pretty much every major sports book uh, pertaining to the to the NFL draft. Uh, some interesting ones, some ones with some value in my mind, uh, J.C. Horn as a top 10 pick out of South Carolina at plus 110 at the DraftKings Sportsbook. I think that makes sense. I think there's enough teams with corner needs going in the top 10 to where I like J.C. Horn to be there. I think he's one of the first two corners off the board. Um, the, the line on Justin Fields has moved since yesterday. He was His over-under was 8.5. Now it's 7.5. So uh, take that for what you will. I'm probably staying away from that from a betting perspective, yeah. but it's interesting nonetheless uh, that his line is moving. Um, you were on this one, Mario. You also wrote, wrote a, a props piece uh, last week. Uh, Christian Barmore, who was a plus 800 to be the first uh, defensive lineman off the board when you wrote... Plus 400 now. So that, that's, uh, it goes to show that uh, you potentially uh, were, were ahead of the market there and, and had a good one potentially. Don't in do will do the Jamar
2: Chase one in that article. I, I bet I am off that now. Okay. The we're back. Pitts ba- is the first, first non quarterback off the board. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, one I, I also had some fun with there's one on DraftKings by conference uh, over under. For, for players going in the first round. So, for instance, the SEC's over-under is 12 and a half. I, I counted it up. I think there are 17 players from the SEC that could go in the first round. <laughs> okay. uh, you could lo- you could uh, know my background or look at my hair right now and, and think that I have SEC bias. Uh, no. No. No, I, I just think it's empirically true that the that the SEC has a really really strong. class. Everyone knows
2: here. there's at least six Georgia Bulldogs that
1: are going to go in the first. Probably <laughs> at least not right. I should have won a title at some point, but oh well. Um, but that uh, that and uh, also Pac-12 two and a half. Um, I would take the under on that. I think that there's there's just going to be Sewell and Elijah Vera Tucker. I don't think that either of the Washington uh, defensive line pro- uh, projects are going to be taken in the first round, even though I, I mocked uh, uh to the Bucks in my last last mock i think i squinted too hard at that one i, I think that it, uh, it will go in a different direction so under two and a half it, but that one's at like create it's like minus 360 or something so not a ton of value there but that's gonna wrap things up for this edition our final one before the nfl draft officially kicks off so uh again fun stuff as always mario and uh we've seen a lot of you over over these next few days uh, as we uh, as we rock this out for uh, the 2021 nfl draft
2: yeah, it's got to go to the pick mines now. We're not going to be out for like a week.
1: Yep, we're, we're going to get all sooty and uh, we're going to come out on the other side of this victorious. For Mario Puig, I'm John McCackney. Thanks for listening to the RotoWire NFL podcast.
0: Try RotoWire today, free for 10 days. Get
1: our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.